I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Do you hear that? It's the most wonderful sound in the world. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Football is back. NFL on Fox is back. It is the 30th anniversary of NFL on Fox. And what better occasion to launch our own NFL podcast hosted by yours truly. Hi, I'm Dave Hellman bringing you the NFL on Fox podcast. Guys, I am so Excited for the 2023 NFL season. I mean, first of all, it figures to be the most interesting season in recent memory. But on top of that, we get to bring it all to you, us here at Fox Sports, with an in-depth NFL podcast starring all of your favorites from the most trusted brand in football. We're going to bring them from your TV screen right here to help you through what should be the most interesting season in recent memory. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm so honored to be here. And look, we don't have a lot of time. There's two days until kickoff, depending on where you are in the world. So we're going to try to get you up to speed. We're going to go through the entire league today. The AFC we will get to the NFC later, but we're going to do it rapid fire straight down to business. I'm going to walk you through all 16 teams in the AFC today, and I'm going to try to not ramble too much. If you know me, that is a little bit of a problem, which is why I have enlisted the help of our staff here to get me through it. As we go through the AFC here today, if you, you know, hear a little uh, jingle, sounds a little bit something like this. Maybe, you know, you recognize it. There, there it is. If you've ever watched an award show, you know, when the person's talking too much and you're saying, oh my God, let's get to the next award. They're going to do that. They're going to help me get through this as quickly as possible so you can be up to speed. And let's jump right into it with the AFC West and the reigning champions of the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs. I love the way we keep coming up with challenges for Patrick Mahomes to overcome. Like if it wasn't enough that the guy's a two-time MVP and a two-time Super Bowl champ at 27, we just have to keep making the road to the Super Bowl more difficult. Last year, it's Tyreek Hill. Oh, they traded Tyreek to the Dolphins. Their offense is going to take a step back. The AFC is too good. MVP championship. You get the gist. This year, it's 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 all over again. It's Chris Jones this time. It's the first team all pro defensive tackle. The stalwart of their defense, arguably for my money, one of the three best defenders in the NFL holding out no end in sight. We've heard he might sit out until week eight to prove a point. He wants to be making 30 plus million dollars a year. I understand with Patrick Mahomes making half a billion dollars, why they might not want to pay that. But maybe you guys should figure this out because you sit here and you say, can the chiefs do this? Look, I know you don't watch Kansas city for the defense, but please do not underestimate what Chris Jones can do for that unit. And it's enough to make you wonder if they can repeat. Then we get to the week of the game. They kick off against the Detroit Lions in hours, in days. And Travis Kelsey now has a hyperextended knee. 
his availability is in question. Like I said, as if Patrick Mahomes wasn't great enough already, the supporting cast that he has comes into question two years in a row. I can't wait to see how he solves this riddle. But here's the thing I love about the Chiefs. They are so proactive and so smart about coming up with solutions to these problems. They trade for Orlando Brown from Baltimore. He helps them win a Super Bowl. He leaves in free agency. Andrew Wiley, their right tackle, leaves in free agency. What do the Chiefs do? They go out, they sign Jawan Taylor. They find Donovan Smith from Tampa Bay in the, in the bargain bin. And just like that, you've replaced your starting offensive tackles from a Super Bowl team. And you've got to feel pretty good about it, all things considered. Same thing goes for the receiver court. You trade away Tyreek Hill. What do you do? You get creative. You trade for a Kadarius Tony, who now figures to be their wide receiver one heading into this season. You draft Rasheed Rice out of SMU. You draft Sky Moore in the second round last year. Didn't have a large role as a rookie. Caught a you know touchdown to help win a Super Bowl. And now you are replenished. Again, not saying any of these guys are Tyreek Hill. But the way that the Chiefs have added talent around Patrick Mahomes while understanding the contract that he's on is incredibly impressive. Look at the defensive side of the ball. Again, this isn't the the best unit in the league, and it certainly isn't going to be the best unit in the league until they figure out what to do with Chris Jones. But there's a lot to like here, whether it's spending first round picks at corner and at edge rusher, whether it's finding a Nick Bolton who scores a touchdown for you in the Super Bowl. I don't know how long they can keep this heater up, but the Chiefs have done a phenomenal job of supplementing their roster with really cheap talent around Patrick Mahomes. And yes, at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to elevate it all, especially if Travis Kelsey misses time, especially if Chris Jones misses half the season. But are you going to bet against it? Because I know I'm not going to bet against it. Absolutely not. If there is one person in the NFL that has earned the benefit of the doubt, it's Patrick Mahomes. And that's why you look at this on paper again, especially not knowing when Chris Jones is going to be back. This doesn't look like a contender, not in the AFC that has so many loaded teams, which we will get to. And then you remember number 15 is in Kansas city and you say, yeah, they'll probably be there when the season's winding down because they always are. It is incredibly impressive. And whether they win another Super Bowl or not, it's going to continue to add to the legacy of a guy, Patrick Mahomes, who for my money is already one of the four best quarterbacks in history. And I have a feeling he's going to continue to climb that list, bet against him and bet against the chiefs at your own peril. I think all of that goes without saying, which yes, I'm going to, I'm going to beat the music on this one because there's not much else to say. And we can move on to the Los Angeles chargers, which comes with a little bit more baggage. Where do you even begin here? Do you want to start with the 27, seven lead that they blew in the playoffs? Do you want to start with Justin Herbert being a $260 million quarterback without a playoff win? We could jump to my area of expertise, Kellen Moore, their new offensive coordinator, who I love the way these narratives get written. Kellen Moore, who had a top five offense throughout his tenure in Dallas, uh, but couldn't help the Cowboys get over the hump. Now he comes to Los Angeles where the expectation is that he will. Can Kellen Moore 
unlock Justin Herbert, by the way, that, that sounds insane to say about Justin Herbert, who has set every record there is for young quarterback play, every yardage and touchdown statistic there is. Justin Herbert has it. But can Kellen Moore take him to another level? And that's the uncomfortable truth for the Chargers. I get it. They haven't won a playoff game. But when you have this type of talent at quarterback and everywhere else on the roster, I mean, look, look down the thing. You got Justin Herbert at quarterback. He might be mad about his paycheck, but you have Austin Eckler. You have one of the most dynamic receiver trios in the league. You add Quentin Johnston, a first round pick out of TCU to the duo of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, one of the best in the league over the last five, six years. The defense loaded with talent, though the performance might not show it, whether it's Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, whether it's JC Jackson and Derwin James. What don't they have? What don't the Chargers have? And, and that's what I think is so interesting about Kellen Moore being here is success for this team, getting over the hump for this team. I don't know. Winning a wild card game doesn't really feel that much more significant to me. Not when you have this six, five Adonis of a quarterback with a howitzer for an arm. I'm not saying the Chargers have to win the Super Bowl or even get there. But, oh, 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 they got me. All right, I kind of went off on a spiel there. But you get my point. The Chargers are way too talented to settle for less than 10, 11 wins and some sort of run in the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, they share the division with the Kansas City Chiefs. Good luck, guys. Good luck. Moving on to the Las Vegas Raiders. I think we can do this one pretty quickly. The Raiders are an interesting team to me because... Their pro bowlers are as good as it gets. Josh Jacobs is the reigning rushing champ, one of the best running backs in the league. Negotiated himself a nice little pay bump by holding out a training camp. Devontae Adams, I know last season didn't go great, but you still consider him one of the three best receivers in the NFL. Throw in Max Crosby on the defensive side, a very, very underrated pass rusher, one of the best young pass rushers in the league. Is that enough? Are the Raiders star players enough? Because after the cream of the crop, after these three great players, it's hard to say that you love a lot of what Josh McDaniels is doing in Las Vegas. Jimmy Garoppolo, we know what he is. We know what he isn't. We know he very rarely plays a full season. We know he very rarely elevates his team to to another level when he is not buoyed by a phenomenal supporting cast like the one he had in San Francisco. Where's the defensive depth beyond Crosby? I suppose you could throw Chandler Jones in there, but the secondary looks like a mess. This, to me, looks like a team in transition. Jimmy's there. I don't think you can bank on that in the long term. I hate to say it. This this just looks like a team that's going to be an also-ran, and that's where I am with it. Are the Raiders stars enough? I say no, especially in the AFC. Now let's wrap it up with... Man, what a difference a year makes. The Denver Broncos. It's all about Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. I mean, like, honestly, this is simple enough because we saw all of this hype about this star-studded roster. You make a trade for Russell Wilson. You pay him $240 million, and please don't make me talk about what happened last year. I'm sure you remember it as well as I do. So we don't need to get into the defensive talent, the very weird reunion where Vance Joseph, former Broncos head coach, is now calling the defense in Denver. 
it's interesting, maybe a little bit awkward, but does it matter to the success of this team as much as Sean Payton, noted winner, noted quarterback developer, a guy, and look, I know he had Drew Brees. He's also a guy that's won games with Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. This is a guy that knows how to make the most of the quarterback position. Can he fix Russell Wilson? Because if he can't, Denver's got way bigger problems than whether or not they can compete in the AFC. Getting out of that contract sounds like a nightmare. I know Jared Stidham is there as their backup. I'm not sure that's something you want to fall back on. I know there's a massive fan base around this team. I know there's a lot of desire to get back to former glory. For the Broncos, figuring out if Russ can still cook is priority number one. Because if he can't, they've got way bigger issues than the win-loss record this season. This one feels pretty straightforward. The AFC West was supposed to be a barroom brawl last year, and the Chiefs made it look easy. And with all due respect to everyone else, I'm going to bank on them doing it again until someone proves me wrong. I got the Chiefs winning yet another division title. I have a feeling the next division is going to be a little bit harder to predict. The AFC East, for my money, one of the most loaded, one of the most intriguing divisions in football this year. That's why I'm enlisting some help. I've got my friend Henry McKenna, Fox Sports' AFC East writer, here to help me parse through it all. With apologies to every other division in football, we're about to preview the most interesting one for 2023. Yes, I said it. The 2023 AFC East, arguably the most loaded, definitely, for my money, the most interesting division in the league this year. And to do that, I, I figured with so many good teams to talk about, we could use a little bit of help. So I called my good buddy at Fox Sports, Henry McKenna. He is our AFC East writer. Henry, thank you so much for the time. Good to see you, man. Yeah, Dave, always good to be here. Always good to catch up. So, I mean, first of all, like, do you agree with me? I mean, the, the storylines here with these four teams, I just think it, 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 it's juicy content all the way through. And I, I just think this is going to be one of the most scintillating divisions in the entire league. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. I, I mean, I think they probably are the most division, interesting division in the league. Bring in Aaron Rodgers to a division that already has Josh Allen, Bill Belichick, and even Tua is, is pretty fascinating, um, particularly with Mike McDaniel, but but the concussion stuff going on, the contract stuff ongoing with him. So every team has a big storyline. And frankly, I mean, you could argue every team has a shot to win the Super Bowl, but the Patriots, it would be a little bit of a stretch. You'd just be like banking on Belichick being making them you're, relevant. You're absolutely right. We will get to them. And trust me, we'll get to Aaron Rodgers. But it seems respectful and fair to start with the guys that have run the show for the last four years, the Buffalo Bills. We know all about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. We know about Sean McDermott. This is one of the premier teams in the league. But the interesting thing about the Bills is Aaron Rodgers shows up on the scene and everybody's trying to close their championship window. Like, that's what I'm hearing all summer is that, you know, th this could be it for the Bills. Don't, don't worry about the fact that they've been one of the most dominant teams in the league, one of the winningest teams in the league for the last four years. People are trying to close the window. So as the guy on the ground, I would love to know, do the Bills still have control of this division? Are they still the favorites? Definitely. I think that the the incoming Aaron Rodgers talk, the, the fact that the Jets might surpass the Bills, it's it's premature. Their offensive line has, has big problems. Uh, Aaron Rodgers really has Garrett Wilson to throw to and, and like Alan Lazard, who 
Aaron Rodgers really likes, but I'm not sure that I really like. Uh, and so I think it, people are getting a little too excited about the Jets and the Bills are kind of like, they. everybody was overly excited maybe about the Bills last year. And I think they've kind of, they don't want to get out of the spotlight, but they faded a little bit and, and that might benefit them a little bit, especially I mean, we cannot under, underestimate the the impact that the DeMar Hamlin uh, health situation had on that roster at the end of the season. I'm sure the emotions were intense. It was a lot to handle. And that really happened heading into the playoffs. So they've kind of, you know, with Hamlin healthy and back on the football field, I think they can kind of move forward a little bit and they don't have that weighing on them as much. And they can kind of just like, if anything, it's a, an incredible storyline to have Hamlin on the team and have that energize them rather than having the emotions being a little more complicated. Um, so I think the Bills probably have the monkey off their back. They're not like the team to beat necessarily, um, but they, they are a team that won 13 wins last year in this extremely competitive division. And Aaron Rodgers, as much as I really like him, he's not going to suddenly uh, make you know the roster better, I think, than an already elite Bills team. One thing I'm curious about the Bills, we know Von Miller is starting the season on the on the PUP, the physically unable to perform list. It means he's going to miss at least a month. Do you think the Bills have the juice on defense without Von Miller? We know they have a great secondary. We know Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are, are back healthy this year. Is that enough to overcome what looks like kind of a lacking pass rush without Von Miller? Yeah, and I almost – I don't want to get go too hard against you, but I do think that you're underestimating what they have, actually, which is Ed Oliver, Gregory oh, Russo. Tell me I'm wrong. Leonard Let's go. Yeah, let, healthy debate, baby. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think, honestly, the, those guys are, are better than maybe you think. Um, the, the reason they brought in Leonard Floyd was for this exact sort of stopgap option to make sure that they had someone – to cover for these these weeks that Von Miller will be out. It's not like they didn't see this coming. They did. And Brandon Bean had a plan for it. So you get a guy like Gregory Rousseau, who I think is is on the verge of, of you know, putting up big numbers. Um, you've got Leonard Floyd, who's a proven entity. I mean, he's not going to be Von Miller. Nobody's going to be Von Miller. But this this defense, especially under the leadership of Sean McDermott, has has the potential to be Good, very good. I mean, they were a really good defense uh, all of last year. They kind of buckled in the playoffs and uh, had some pretty bad performances against like the Dolphins and, and Skylar Thompson, which was bizarre. Um, but under under McDermott's leadership, I think this this defense, I think they get more out of a lot of the young talent that they have. And so, you know, you just it's it'll just be like bonus when Von Miller comes back. Uh, you know, after week six, maybe, or, or something like that, depending on the knee. Um, but I think, I think we'll see a very good Bills defense. Actually, the place I'm worried most for the Bills is cornerback two, um, which is, a, it seems like a ticky-tack spot, but you and I both know that it can be, uh, it could be a hugely, you know, that could be your Achilles heel for it, defense. It seems like a small problem until you have that problem. Absolutely. Let's, let's stick in the East, but go very far South, the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> I think one of the most intriguing teams in the entire league. And the reason why I say that is when you look at the roster, man, it's about as loaded as it gets with the ultimate question at quarterback. And that unfortunately is to a tongue of Iloa and his health, his ability to play a whole season. So for me, 
it seems like the Dolphins' entire hope of success hinges on Tua. Do you think that's fair to say Tua is facing a make-or-break season here in 23? Yeah, both things are, are fair to say. Absolutely a make-or-break season. I mean, look at the contract situation of some of his peers from his draft class, right? Like Justin Herbert, he's got a contract extension. Uh, Tua, meanwhile, there was some uncertainty about whether he'd get a fifth-year option picked up. So every time you have like a real question about a player standing in the league, go to the guaranteed dollars, go to the money, follow the, follow the money, and you'll see you know, just how legit a team cares or is it literally invested in a player. And in this case, you see some tenuous, uh, tenuous emotions, tenuous feelings between GM Chris Greer, uh, Coach Mike McDaniel, and Tua. Everybody's saying the right things. But the dollar doesn't show what they're saying. There's, there's, you know, a dichotomy there. So two has got to prove it to his organization. Now, the the flip side is if he has a season like he had the first eleven games before, you know, we started to see the concussions crop up. If he has what I thought was, you know, an MVP caliber or, or you know, consideration season, then they're going to be paying him an absurd amount of money. Uh, so they've risked it, uh, to see, you know, whether Tua can stay healthy, whether he can perform at a high level, not just a whole regular season, but into the postseason. So there's so much we don't really know about Tua Tugavilloa. And, you know, I, I think it's fascinating, like you said, to just see how this season unfolds for him. Um, so yeah, I think, I think he's, he and the Dolphins in general, um, cause they don't have a great backup. Mike White, you know, is a good backup quarterback. He was solid for the Jets, but he's actually we saw in preseason. He, he didn't quite show the command of the the offense that I think the Dolphins would want to see against vanilla coverages. So that puts even more pressure onto his plate to play well. It's funny to think. I mean, look, Lamar Jackson got his contract. Jalen Hurts got his contract. Justin Herbert. And we know at some point Joe Burrow is going to get his. I don't think there's a player in the league with more riding on this season for better or for worse than to a tongue of Iloa. So I, like I said, for my money, one of the most interesting teams in the league, you kind of hinted at it, Henry, and I'm sorry to, to anybody in, in the new England area. Let's move to a less interesting team. In my opinion, the new England Patriots, but here, here's the thing, Henry, see, like, I want to try this take on for size with you, which is that if new England played in almost any other division, we would feel mm. a heck of a lot better about their prospects, but they don't. Yeah. They play here with these juggernauts. And that's why I want to know playing in the AFC East with three teams that have real Super Bowl aspirations. What is the Patriots ceiling? I mean, what can we expect from these guys knowing that they're trying to win one of the toughest divisions in the league? Yeah, I, I mean, Bill Belichick, anything's possible, right? Uh, but uh, but we've seen a different Bill Belichick, a mortal Bill Belichick, a perfectly 500 Bill Belichick since the departure of Tom Brady. So I think there's definitely a lot of pessimism swirling around his competency right now, as if they've somehow ended up at the bottom of the league, but they haven't. They're just like Jeff Fishering. They're like right in the middle of the league. They're sort of like, a, you can't go eight and eight anymore, but that's kind of <laughs> the vibe that they've had. Um, and so I, I don't know, like this defense is very good and Bill Belichick will, will do well to get the most out of it. It, it just, the biggest question is Bill O'Brien. Can Bill O'Brien get Mac Jones? Maybe not necessarily 
like it's a kind of a low bar to get him to get Mac Jones back to the rookie year. Cause if you look at the stats, his, his rookie year weren't, wasn't like amazing. And we just saw him nosedive last year. But if Mac Jones can sort of go back on that upward trajectory that we kind of thought that maybe he would be like a game manager, um, I don't know, like an Alex Smith type, somebody who who is smart, someone who makes quick decisions, who doesn't turn over the football. That's kind of like the opposite of what we saw from Mac Jones last year. We saw a slow decision maker, a guy who was making stupid turnovers. So you put Bilbo O'Brien into that offense. And, and then the question is, does he completely transform Mac Jones to be the guy that kind of we thought he was going to be? You know, back think back to when everybody was like, we can't believe Mac Jones got ended up in Bill Belichick's lap. Like that felt like a coup two years ago. And now it feels like sort of a disaster. So I, I think we're probably going to land somewhere in between. And Bill O'Brien needs to be the guy that 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 makes Mac Jones into the guy that was more an offensive rookie of the year candidate and last year less of like a backup caliber looking guy if mac jones is you know let's say a top uh, 16 top 17 quarterback because there's actually a pretty good threshold right right in the mediocre area of the league right now uh then this team can make the playoffs uh and then if you can make the playoffs then I don't know. You, the AFC is sort of tough to say you could make the Super Bowl because it's so competitive. But, you know, I think they'll be competitive uh, to make the playoffs this year. Nothing would be more this league than the New England Patriots making the playoffs, knowing that they've got to play six games against these teams. Let's save arguably the most intriguing for last. The New York Jets, man. What else is there to say? They got their own TV show. They've been in the headlines since April and for good reason, because they've got a four-time MVP calling the shots, Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't like, we, we don't have to, some of these, some teams you want to do a boatload of research for. It doesn't feel necessary here. Can Aaron Rodgers turn the jets into contenders, the longest playoff drought in the league. And now you have arguably the most accomplished quarterback of the last decade, other than Tom Brady will leave him out of it. But you get my point. How are we feeling about this team? I'll be honest. Robert Sala's speech to the offensive line on hard knocks scared me like that. That made me nervous for Aaron Rodgers. Am I overreacting? How do we feel about the jets? Yeah. Well, first of all, Patrick Mahomes is probably the most decorated quarterback over all the last right. 10 years, I deserve but that. I deserve that. And, and he hasn't been playing the last 10 years, but anyway, or just a fraction of it. Um, but yes, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think there are some worries like, like, for example, Mike, um, Mike Evans, suddenly back, there's a contract dispute that seems sort of like on the, on the fritz over in um, Tampa. And all of a sudden, Twitter is kind of ablaze. Like, what, what about Mike Evans to the Jets? What about Aaron Rodgers maybe throwing some footballs to Mike Evans? <laughs> I think that, that that points at, like, not that Twitter knows necessarily what, it, what it's talking about at all times, but uh, Garrett Wilson is, like, on track to – to catch like, you know, 2000 yards of Aaron Rodgers's passing offense. They, they really don't have uh, the best second option. Um, and that's just kind of like one of their, their champagne problems. I'd say, you know, Makai Becton's their right tackle tackle. And while, you know, he's a really high caliber player in theory, he actually hasn't played since I think week one of 2021, I think. So it's been a minute since we've really seen him in a, in a regulation football game. 
Um, on the left side, you know, their left tackles coming back from a shoulder injury. Um, so I, I don't know. I think, I think they are dealing with, uh, bigger issues than people kind of realize on offense. And Aaron Rodgers is kind of like the media panacea. Like everybody just thinks that it's <laughs> going to be chill and dandy, Guilty. but, uh, ultimately that offense, it, you know, it, it could have some problems early in the season, whether it's gelling, uh, in the passing game because Rodgers isn't getting enough protection or he doesn't have enough guys getting open. Um, I think one place they probably <clears throat> won't have problems is the run game, uh, because they doubled up at running back this off season by getting Dalvin cook. And if nothing else, they can make use of, of Dalvin and Brees as checkdown options to give Aaron Rodgers, you know, a little bit of outlet space and and some guys that'll generate yards after the catch just naturally. Um, one place where there's no question, I think, is on their defense. Uh, they are without a doubt young, enormously talented. I guess the one thing I worry for them is all they've been doing is talking about championships. All they've been doing has been setting up huge expectations for themselves. And given that they are young, I do wonder whether there's a small dream team effect, whether like maybe, you know, they, they get a little bit too into themselves and, and that they kind of just expect that they will have success. And the division is a place where that cannot happen, that they have to be hungry like they were last year. Um, and so, you know, if they regress, then this team actually will fail, I think, to meet expectations, especially in New York, where things can just like snowball out of control in terms of negativity. So it's I, I mean, they're so fascinating and they and they are like right on the to use the cliche, right on the razor edge of uh of being like a Super Bowl contender and also maybe being a flop. Big expectations in the biggest media market in the league. What could go wrong? All right, Henry, real quick, we don't have a lot of time, but most loaded division in the league. I'm going to put you on the spot. I need your division winner and I need your rationale in like a sentence or less. Let's do it. Yeah. Give me the Buffalo bills. And my rationale is Josh Allen. I think I don't think you really need to say a whole lot more to be honest with you. I'm <laughs> stepping out on a limb. Look, I, I just made fun of people burying the bills. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm so intrigued in the dolphins. If they can get, even 16 games, 15 games out of Tua Tungavailoa. The firepower's there. The defense is incredible. Vic Fangio's there. They got talent at all three levels. Stay healthy, Tua, because I think if you do, it's going to be incredible. So for better or for worse, I'm riding with the Dolphins. Can't wait to see how well that ages. Henry, thanks for joining us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. AFC East might be the most loaded division, the most star-studded division for my money, the AFC North is the hardest to predict and the deepest one through four. I, I, I don't know where to begin. I think you could make a case, case for all four of these teams. But let's start in the obvious place, the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that's made it to back-to-back -to -back AFC championship games and has a good shot to do it again. It's one of the best rosters in the league, newsflash. And by the way, thanks to Joe Burrow being on a very cheap rookie quarterback for now, 
I stress for now. The Bengals have been able to go out and add even more talent. I think one of the more underrated moves in the league that we haven't talked enough about is the decision to sign Orlando Brown to be their new left tackle. No, Orlando Brown's not the best left tackle in the NFL, but it's a hell of an upgrade over what we've seen over the last two years as the Bengals have slowly tried to piece together enough to put around Joe Burrow. And that's that's the question for them. They've been to a Super Bowl and lost. They've been to another AFC Championship game and lost. Have they done enough? Because ultimately at this point, only a Super Bowl championship is going to make you feel like it was worth it, like like you accomplished what you set out to do, which it's what I love about the NFL is imagine saying that about the Cincinnati Bengals three or four years ago. But when you have a talent like Joe Burrow, and by the way, when you know that Joe Burrow is soon going to be making north of $250 million a year, these are the realities. Look at it. The Bengals couldn't afford to pay Jesse Bates the third and Von Bell this offseason. Von Bell's off in Carolina. Jesse Bates is now in Atlanta Falcon. You're asking young players like Dax Hill, their first round pick last year, to step up into starting roles. You're hoping that big time signings like Orlando Brown can take you to a level that you weren't at before because the uncomfortable truth for the Bengals, and I, I don't want to be doom and gloom. I went to LSU after all, okay? I, I'm a little bit invested in the Cincinnati Bengals. But you're running out of years where this group is going to be able to stay together. T. Higgins is in a contract year. Tyler Boyd is in a contract year. Joe Burrow needs to be paid. Jamar Chase will be paid sooner rather than later, which already sounds weird to say. This iteration of the Bengals is on limited time. This might be their last opportunity. I think that's what makes it interesting. I think they're one of the three or four best rosters in the NFL. But I think, ask the Buffalo Bills. It goes from fun story of a downtrodden franchise to we got to win the Super Bowl or bust very, very quickly. And I think this season is the transition. I think we need to see some urgency in Cincinnati before these contracts start coming down. We know what to expect from the Bengals. It's the, been the same cast of characters for, for the last few years. But how about the Baltimore Ravens? Feels a little bit different out east for my money. First of all, we finally, blessedly, don't have to talk about Lamar Jackson's contract situation. He got his payday. And along with his payday, look, for, for, as, for as buttoned up as the Ravens are, for as much as there's like a Raven way, we're going to do things the Raven way, they've given Lamar Jackson what he wants. Greg Roman, gone. Todd Monken, in. And on top of that, they've done everything they can to make Lamar Jackson happy with his situation, whether that's signing Odell Beckham to a deal that, if we're being real, was a little bit generous, whether that's drafting Zay Flowers. This offense on paper looks fun as hell. There's no other way for me to say it. Like if, if Lamar's going to be airing the ball out and the, and the Ravens are actually going to be playing in three receiver sets, like what? What, what planet is this? Since when are the Ravens winging the ball around the yard rather than putting a fullback and two tight ends on the field? I can't wait to see what it looks like. For me, it all comes down to how well that meshes. The Ravens defense is going to be good. I don't know where their pass rush is going to come from, but when you talk about some of the guys they have on hand, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Kyle Hamilton, Mar uh, Marcus Williams, Marlon Humphrey, hopefully, please return soon from your foot injury, my friend. I trust that. 
I can't wait to see how well the Ravens move the ball through the air because it all sounds good in August. I don't know what it's going to look like when we start playing games, but if it looks as fun as I think it can, I think the Ravens can win a lot of football games. Zay flowers for your fantasy team. Zay flowers, offensive rookie of the year. I'm just saying, how about the Pittsburgh Steelers? I'm workshopping that. I don't know how well that works just yet, but man, there is a lot of excitement in Pittsburgh for the first time in a few years. And it's, it's that guy. It's Kenny Pickett. Or maybe, you know, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, George Pickens. I'm so I apologize in advance. But look, I'm excited about the young talent in Pittsburgh. I'm trying not to fall for the preseason hype because, you know, Kenny Pickett and George Pickens get in for like eight plays. They hook up on a touchdown together. It's all really fun. What does it really mean for the season? That That's the big question for me. How good is Kenny Pickett actually? He, he was fine as a rookie. I don't think we need to overreact to anything that happened in Pittsburgh last year. But if he's even pretty good in year two, all of a sudden, this becomes a really feisty team. Like, the defense should speak for itself. First of all, it's Mike Tomlin. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're always going to have a decent defense. TJ Watt, one of the best in his position at defensive end. Minka Fitzpatrick. I'll go ahead and say is the most underrated defender in the NFL and just what he can do, the different variety of hats that he can wear in the Pittsburgh secondary. They just paid Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward's still hanging around, putting up pro bowl seasons. The Steelers are going to be able to stop people. If Kenny Pickett's even good, not even, I'm not, I'm not asking, I'm not asking for MVP consideration or any of that stuff. But if Kenny Pickett can play well, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, like this is a plucky team. And like I said, I I don't want to overreact too much to what we see in meaningless preseason games, but I think the perception of the Steelers over the last few years is like a hard to watch eight, nine win team. And I just don't think that's okay. I'm going to finish this point out. Yeah, you can try, but I'm curious to see. How high does that go? Like, is the Steelers ceiling a wild card spot? Could they contend for the division? I kind of doubt it, but I'm excited to find out. All right. All right. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wrapping it up with honestly a team that should go at the top of the list. That's what I'm talking about. All four of these teams have a shot to make some serious noise. And we wrap it up with the Cleveland Browns who have as good of a roster as there is in the NFL. They really do. It speaks to what I said about this division being the deepest in the league that our last team, the Cleveland Browns, might have the best overall roster in the division. I don't think that's crazy to say, even knowing what Cincinnati brings to the table. The problem is we have no idea what Cleveland's quarterback is. We know the saga with Deshaun Watson. We know that he has basically been out of football for the last two years because of off-field allegations of sexual harassment. We know what the Browns gave up to get him and what they paid him and how impossible it is to move on from him. We also know that he looked pretty rough in a month of action last season. But guess what? We can dispense with all of that. In 2023, he's had a full offseason. He's back in the fold, however you might feel about it. He will be starting a full season for the Cleveland Browns. And he's got everything he needs to be successful. The receiver core looks nice, led by Amari Cooper. Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the league. A top five offensive line. 
They added Zadarius Smith to a defense that already had Miles Garrett. They beefed up their run defense. I'm not saying that, again, they're going to win the Super Bowl, but this is a team that is primed to win double-digit games and more if Deshaun Watson looks like the guy that they gave $230 million guaranteed to. It's hard for me to sit here and say that I think that's going to happen because I watched him struggle mightily last December. Like, don't sugarcoat it. And I know that he missed time, but it was rough sledding for the Cleveland Browns when Deshaun Watson came back. Well, like I said, you've had a full offseason. You're in the offense. No more excuses. It's going to be fascinating to see if the Deshaun Watson we remember from ancient history is back in 2023, or if this is a brutally disappointing season for a team that has no way to get out of that contract. I'm not going to overthink this one. I think it's going to be tough. I'm taking Cincinnati. I think they have one of the best divisions in the entire AFC. I think Joe Burrow will continue to ascend as a player. I think the Bengals are one of the best two teams in the AFC. I'm rolling with them to repeat. I'm going to wrap this thing up with, honestly, it, it might be the easiest prediction of the, of the show, but it's the one that I'm the most excited to talk about because it involves my pet cat for the 23 season. And I use the word cat pretty literally. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's talk about the prince who was promised Trevor Lawrence and the reigning division champions who overcame a 20 point deficit in the playoffs last year, who gave the chiefs a run for their money. This is one of the hottest teams in the league from a, from a momentum perspective. I mean, think of how sad things looked in Jacksonville less than two years ago. And now they're primed to win the division. And the reason I'm so excited for them, they're a good team in a bad division. And what does that mean? It's an opportunity for Trevor Lawrence to make some serious hay. They get to play six games against some squads that look like they might be in for a rough season. And oh, by the way, they also get the lowly NFC South on the other side of the league. There's an opportunity for the Jags to win 12 games minimum if they handle their business. Am I too bullish on them? I don't think so. Trevor Lawrence came into the league as one of the most hyped quarterbacks in recent memory since Andrew Luck. Second half of last season, he was playing like it. What did the Jags do to bolster that? Last year, they made one of the smartest moves of the season. They traded for Calvin Ridley, who was suspended for gambling. Second team all pro Calvin Ridley. 1,300 yards Calvin Ridley. He's back. He's fully healthy. He looks like a beast. You add that to Christian Kirk, Zay Jones. They get Evan Ingram signed. I'm loving what I'm seeing. I know people are worried about the Jags offensive line. I'm not buying it. They spend a first round pick on Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. He looks like the real deal. He's going to help them weather Cam Robinson's suspension over the first four games of the year. Travis ATN's in the backfield. They draft Tank Bigsby. What a name for a power back, by the way. Tank Bigsby to help you out in short yardage and goal line situations. This offense is loaded. Notice I haven't said anything about the defense. It's, it's not as much fun, but what I like about the Jags defense is that it's littered with incredibly talented players. Trevon Walker was the number one overall pick in draft in 2022. He wasn't amazing as a rookie, 
But if you're going to bank on somebody ascending in year two, yeah, give me the number one overall pick. Same thing goes for Devin Lloyd, their other first round pick. Tyson Campbell is an underrated player at cornerback. I'm not trying to tell you that this is an elite defense, but I certainly think it's talented enough to hold up its end of the bargain with what could be one of the best offenses in the NFL. Like, y'all always do this when it's a team I want to talk about the most, and that's what that's the Jags. I'm picking the Jags to be the number one t- seed in the AFC. I'm spoiling my pick, and I don't care. I feel very strongly that this team's going to win a lot of games. All right. Fine, we can move on. We'll get back to the Jags when we're done with these other three. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans, I can imagine a staffer in Nashville clipping this out and showing it to Mike Vrabel because I'm not giving the Titans head coach enough credit for how regularly he has this team ready to compete. It feels like the Titans roster never lives up to what the record actually winds up being. And I do think that's a testament to Mike Vrabel. But I just wonder... In an AFC with this many good teams, how competitive are the Titans actually? Let's get it out of the way. The defense is going to be good. Again, Mike Vrabel eats glass for breakfast and he coaches the hell out of a defense. Jeffrey Simmons is there. Kevin Byard is there. Like there are talented players on that side of the ball. And if I had to guess, the Titans are going to be a massive pain to play against. But flip over to the other side of the ball and tell me, what the ceiling is for this team and how regularly you can expect them to outscore some of their opposition in the AFC. Yes. Again, there are some familiar faces on hand. Ryan Tannehill is still there. Although it certainly seems like the Titans are desperate for that not to be the case anymore. Back-to-back years where they've drafted quarterbacks, Malik Willis and Will Levis are on hand. Derrick Henry's still there, but as we're seeing play out in the news, Running backs tend to age out of the NFL rather quickly, and teams are less willing to pay them than they used to be. They tr- they've they signed DeAndre Hopkins, which sounds amazing in a vacuum, but when you look at the rest of the Titans receiver core, when you look at the state of the quarterback play, and oh, by the way, I'm burying the lead, the offensive line looks like a wreck, and I don't think even drafting Peter Skaronsky in the first round is enough to offset that. I just don't see the vision. I see a team that's regularly going to be a pain in the butt to play that ultimately isn't going to win more than six to eight games. And I just don't think that's enough. I'm sorry, Titans, and I can't wait for Mike Vrabel to prove me wrong. Now we talk about a team with a lot of aging veterans. Let's move on to two teams that have none. The youth movement is on in the AFC South, and it starts with the Indianapolis Colts and Anthony Richardson. My problem with the Colts is that the vibes should be good when you have a top five pick starting at quarterback. We're going to get to that in Houston. But what's going on in Indianapolis? You draft a quarterback in the top five. You know the roster's not that great. That's how you wound up in the top five in the first place. Please look around the Colts roster and tell me what gets you excited. Quentin Nelson, a wonderful guard, but certainly hasn't played like his reputation suggests the last couple years. Shaq Leonard is a phenomenal linebacker when he's healthy, which has been less and less often in recent years. Oh, right. The Colts best players, Jonathan Taylor, the star running back who is now on the physically unable to perform list for the first month of the season because the Colts don't want to pay him a new contract. 
but they also are asking for a king's ransom in a trade. Can you help me wonder, don't you think a star running back would help a rookie quarterback with very little experience get out to a good start in the NFL? It seems as obvious as day to me, apparently not to anyone in Indianapolis. I am excited to watch Anthony Richardson. I think he could help you win your fantasy league this year. He's going to rush for a bunch of yards. He's got a cannon for an arm, but the Colts were already up against it. And now they don't have JT for at least the first month of the season. He might not play for him at all this year, depending on what happens on the trade front. I just don't really understand what's going on. And I think it sucks for Anthony Richardson that there are weird vibes in Indy at a time that should be a lot more exciting. And let's transition from them to a team that seems to be handling it the right way, which I understand the irony of saying that about the Houston Texans. It's certainly been dysfunctional down there for a number of years, but they seem to be turning a new leaf with D'Amico Ryan's in charge as their first year head coach. I envy the Texans right now, not because of how many games they're going to win, but it's a blank slate. There shouldn't be much in the way of expectation And it just sounds like it's going to be fun. You have CJ Stroud and Will Anderson, the edge rusher that you paid a ransom for to get in the top five of the draft. As long as these guys play well, the Texans are playing with house money. They could win two games. They could win eight games and it would be the same. All you're worried about is the development of these young players. And I promise you, if CJ Stroud and Will Anderson look like the real deal, People in Houston are going to be exciting. And as we've seen with teams like the Jags and Trevor Lawrence, rookie years can pave the way for big things in the time to come. So Houston, enjoy it. I don't know how many games you're going to win, but that shouldn't be the focus right now. The focus should be this was an incredibly bad organization, and now we're seeing a ray of light, and hopefully we're seeing two cornerstone players that are going to lead you to better times in the future. Not the present, though. In the present, the Jacksonville Jags should own this division, and I'm picking them to run away with it as the number one overall seed. So if Jacksonville is winning the AFC South, that wraps up my divisions. I got Jags, Chiefs, the Miami Dolphins, and the Cincinnati Bengals. And you know what? With all due respect to the Chiefs, I'm going to think outside the box. I'm going to roll with a take that is sure to age like milk, and I do not care Give me the Miami Dolphins to advance to Super Bowl 58. I don't know how. Somebody's got to come out of this conference. It's absolutely loaded. And why not the most fun offense in the AFC? Jalen Waddell, Tyree Kill, Tua. Just give me 17 games, my guy. The defense is loaded. You got an OG coordinator there calling it. There's nothing in the way except health. And, you know, about 15 other absolutely loaded teams. I can't wait to see how it all plays out. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Be sure to check us out tomorrow. We've got an NFC preview coming your way as well. Go follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. We're going to have amazing content for you all season long. For that matter, go subscribe to our YouTube channel, NFL on Fox. Guys, I am so excited for what's to come. I'm Dave Hellman. I will catch y'all next time.